Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe, the number is 94198377. You've been listening. Man is by nature a risk taker, a challenger of limits, or he would not have evolved. An individual human life without risk would result in a stagnant personality. Thoreau was right. When it comes to time for me to die, I do not want to look back on my life and find that I have not lived. Responsibility to family remains a disturbing and pertinent point. However, I would rather take a small and calculated risk to be fit, alive, interesting and exuberant cyclist than come ponderously home each evening to the TV and a snack tray. The risks of that lifestyle may be less obvious than those of cycling, but they are more insidious, more deadly and to my mind, far less acceptable. Perhaps we can't choose the time and manner of our death, but we can have a say in the style and quality of our lives. How can I justify cycling when I have a wife and a son? In the final analysis, it is the time spent away from them while training and racing that remains, that enables me to return changed. Added to somehow by the experience, made more than when I left. And that, it seems to me, is justification enough. Well, we know where we're going, but we don't know where we've been. And we know what we're knowing, but we can't say what we've seen. That's right. Take a breath. Just ease that cadence down. You're listening to the Yarrabug Radio Show here on 3CR. Either you're podcasting, streaming 
or listening on that old valve transistor in the kitchen. Many thanks to Democracy Now and Amy Goodman. Amy Goodman, a good way to stay up to date with what's happening in the epicenter, as we say. Where Faith and I are uh, doing a pre-record again, so it'll be good to catch up with everything. That reading, um, which is, um, I'm sorry, I didn't realise, I did realise it was a little bit dark, that reading, but uh, at the time of this, it's probably a little bit more apt. And that, of course, came from an athletics coach, no, a cycling coach, Coach Fred Marnie, and when asked, what's your perspective on cycling and danger? I presume he meant, anyway, a lovely quote to give us a happy and joyful day today. Faith, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Well, That's the way. It's a bit of a kooky time, isn't it? It is, yep. It's uh, Everything's a little bit different. Everyone's uh, navigating a, a different landscape. Uh, so, uh, interesting times. It is, and I've got to say, I think I've seen bike moments happening every day all over the place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> the classic. I had a classic one in the park the other day. Obviously, a lot of young kids all out uh, enjoying riding their new bikes, and from five and six year olds all the way up to twelve and thirteen year olds have got all day to ride around. Anyway, lovely group in the local park. Uh, Mum and dad and two kids. Time to go home. And I think she bad three or four, just wasn't going to leave the park until she was allowed to do one more lap of the bushland track, threw herself down on the road. <laughs> Parents had to wait for her to, to do another lap at the park. I thought, oh, there we go. She's, she, she's, she's hooked. That's the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> and another one, <clears throat> a classic the other morning of, the, you know, a little bit of hubris before the fall when you're four and a half years old. Look how fast I can go. Yeah. <laughs> but um, love and look, lovely to see people in groups riding rabbits. Uh, and as I was saying to Anthony, it's interesting to notice that change in perspective on the road where actually the cars are much more, you know, few and far between in some places here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting. I'm not seeing a lot less cars where I am. But uh, um, there's certainly on the shared paths a lot more pedestrians and bike riders. Oh yeah, yeah. My Yarra uh, Trail here. Pack. Yeah, my bike moment is. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of struggling to come up with one because I feel a bit like the bike riding is very Groundhog Day. I tend to do a very similar ride most days just to get out for a little bit. But I did enjoy it this uh, Tuesday uh, when most uh, schools have gone back because what I noticed was, and I know it from when my son was younger, you know, about 10 a.m. you've you've done everything you need to yeah. at home and it's get the kids out to the park sort of time. And the bike path or the shared path is very busy, not just with kids, but very young kids. And I'm predicting trams, yeah, trams, yeah. dogs, toddlers, and and that which is great to see, but it 
it's it requires some intensive uh, concentration on the part of bike riders so i did enjoy it on tuesday when um there was a f much more relaxing um landscape yeah. in which to ride and i thought oh you know you only need one kid in the family to be having to attend school online and the whole family will probably stay at home till lunchtime yeah. um yeah so. oh of course yeah 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 oh, they're all um uh, they're all little different things um, yeah. um should we look at some news yes yes there's um there's a few things happening um and I have to say, looking at my, the news I picked out, it does tend to be COVID-19 related. There's, um, it still seems to be the, the dominant driver uh, in uh, news at the moment. So one um, thing that was very encouraging, we've seen a lot of stories about um, different cities around the world and the measures they're putting in place to make it easier for people to get around on foot and by bike and to make it easier to maintain social distancing while doing so. Um, and I think, uh, you know, there's been a, a noticeable silence in Australia on that. Uh, Did um, you leave, see the lovely story in Berlin? Yes. Yeah. They just got the rolls of yellow tape and just yeah. virtually take bigger bike lanes all the way down every street, took yeah. all over the car lanes. It's quite, yeah. and just got a big roll of tape and just screwed it and just glued it to the road. Yeah, and that's that's the the common theme that we're seeing, even in places like New York and you know South America and and lots of places in Europe. Um, quick, very uh, easy ways to roll out. Um, temporary uh, space grabs, basically. So um, in New Zealand, uh, this week it was announced, the Transport Minister, Julie Genter, announced that um, planning was underway to expand both footpaths and cycleways so that they better enable physical distancing or two metres of distance between users. And they're expecting physical distancing to be in place for a while. So even after they remove their phase four restrictions, they're expecting to still be within phase three for the longer medium term. Um, so the New Zealand government is going to provide 90% of the cost to local councils involved in widening footpaths and put, installing temporary cycleways on the roads. So uh, that's um, good to see something in the Southern Hemisphere happening. True. Yeah. Um, um, yep. No, I'm just making us look at all our transport options yeah. from a different viewpoint when that's and the game charger. Yeah. We've had articles this week too in Australia about um, the boom in cycling that's occurred during the COVID-19 restrictions. So um, bike shops reporting a 100% increase in sales and uh, much bigger uptake even for recreational cycling by families, as you and I have seen, um, who need to get out of the house during the day. So it, it would be nice to see some of that being supported with a, a match in increased infrastructure. Um, and another item of interest, and 
so this is something I've been following now for maybe it's almost two weeks, maybe 10 days. There was a, an article published on Medium called Belgian Dutch Study, Why in Times of COVID-19 You Cannot Walk, Run, Bike Close to Each Other, that became very viral <laughs> in, and uh, almost as infectious as COVID-19 and was widely shared and seemed to be implying that because of the way droplets stream behind walkers, runners and cyclists, uh, it's almost impossible to do any sort of safe distancing if you're going to engage in those activities. And it became, you know, with walkers, it was one issue. With runners, it was a the area covered by the slipstream was much longer. And with cyclists, we're talking 20 metres or more. So the general consensus that I saw among people commenting on this article was that just means you cannot go for a ride. There's no safe way to do it. Um, this was spread quickly and fairly uncritically and it it was quite frustrating seeing the way it was taken up. There were, after a few days, some responses. There was a Vice article that took issue with and pointed out that this was not research. It was a proposal for research, effectively. And a couple of other places took a more critical look at it. But most recently, there was an interview with the lead researcher that whose white paper had prompted this article. And I think there's a few points to go through. One, Medium is a, a public platform where anyone can publish an article and it's not fact-checked. So the article was not written by the researcher. It was written by someone who'd read yeah. something he'd published. Something, yeah. Two, what he'd published was a white paper, which is basically laying down a a concept, your reasons why you feel it's founded and why um, it deserves to be researched. And the lead researcher in this interview he did, he pointed out that what he had been trying to do is reassure people that it is generally quite safe to go cycling, running or walking. Yeah, walking. So the wide weeping conclusion that you should abandon all that was uh, most certainly not justified by what he published. Uh, What he published didn't include any estimation of risk for infection. That was not what it was intended to do. It was purely a description of droplet behaviour in a very specific set of circumstances and an artificial set of circumstances. It was not from um, real life. So I think um, with the podcast, we'll post some links to those articles. But I think the main points that can be taken from his research is that you should not be drafting or writing in large groups. The behaviour he modelled was based on racing cyclists and, uh, and and that was clear. It was just that the people who then wrote about it afterwards extrapolated that to yeah. uh, and then the people that read that article in their comments are extrapolating it to what happens on, you know, the Merry Creek bike path or, yeah, yeah. you know. Chinese, Chinese whispers at its best. It, it is. So... <laughs> that's, that's um, I think while oh, there's certainly something that. very valuable in that research, I think we need to be very careful about how we take it on board yeah. and to what extent. Also in news, unfortunately, since Easter, we've had tax on the boulevard again with a day of, I think it was pretty much described as carnage, the number of uh, flat tyres happening on the boulevard. Before the election, Frydenberg had promised money for installing cameras on the boulevard. 
And uh, this was sort of put on the back burner because it was so long since there'd been tacking incidents. Tacks. Yeah. But after um, Easter, this has um, is going to be fast-tracked and implemented. So uh, unfortunate that it has to be so, but um, that's what we've got. We'll go to a break and... Coming up after the break, we'll have an interview with Anthony Eisenberg from CrowdSpot about the BikeSpot 2020 project. Get on that bicycle and ride Neath the sunny skies or along the ocean side 3CR would like to thank our Yarrabug program sponsor, Vacro Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics, and sells bikes to the local community. To find out more, Google Vacro or drop in to the Underground Car Park, Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Thursday or Friday. Yeah, get on that bicycle and ride Neath the sunny skies or along the ocean side and you're back listening to the Arabug Radio Show on 3CR. Joining us in the Zoom studio today online is Anthony Eisenberg from CrowdSpot. And he's here to chat to us about the BikeSpot 2020 project. Welcome, Anthony. Hi. Thanks for having me. Good to have you back in the studio. Maybe we'll kick off telling people what BikeSpot is for those who haven't heard of it before. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, BikeSpot 2020 is the follow-on from the original BikeSpot project, which took place back in 2016, where we, CrowdSpot, um, partnered with the Squeaky Wheel to create this online interactive map that crowdsources people's perceptions of safety so people can jump online on this interactive map and add markers where they feel safe and markers where they feel unsafe. And back in 2016, we received 2,500 data points on a map and determined the top 10 safe and unsafe spots in metropolitan Melbourne. This time round, for Bike Spot 2020, we're partnering with the Amy Gillett Foundation and looking to do the same thing, but across the entire state of Victoria. So we launched the project on the 31st of March and it's running through till uh, the end of May. And so during that time, people can jump online to bikespot.org, add their spots, safe and unsafe spots, and the data will be going to the 11 partnering councils and the state government to help inform their um, bicycling infrastructure improvements. And so what's BikeSpot hoping to capture that I know councils at the moment and the government, you know, they, they rely on data they have about accidents and black spots. What's BikeSpot hoping to capture that would be different? Yeah, well, what, what we really found out back in 2016 when we did the project was that it validated the the data of people's perceptions of safety. So what we did, we compared uh, perceptions of safety with crash statistics and how they aligned or didn't align. And we found out that they were actually quite different. So for the top 10 unsafe spots that people felt were unsafe, there were only two, that only two of them were high crash locations. So what that meant was, well, other than the fact that maybe people are, are um, taking more caution where they, where they feel unsafe, um, it's also highlighting that they're, they're quite different and complementary data sets. So, and really valuable in the sense that people 
people's willingness to ride is is reduced when they feel unsafe. So that's why it's it's really important um, to factor in people's perceptions. And we know perception of safety is such a big um, influence in people's decision whether or not to ride. So yeah, if your local council can address that, even though they might not appear to them to be spots that cause a lot of accidents, they are spots that are preventing people from persisting with riding or taking it up. Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, crash statistics is based, um, you know, on police reportings and that's, and, you know, a lot of crashes take place that don't get reported. So it's, it's only telling part of the story and perceptions help fill another side to the story to encourage more people to ride. So I think both are equally important, um, but need to be considered as well. Yeah. And so from the past project, and maybe you've had a chance to have a look at some of the early data from this one, do people add, are they tending to add more unsafe spots or is it equal between safe and unsafe? How, how's, what's people's response in that respect? Yeah, I can't quite recall um, what we did in 2016 for that sort of unsafe and safe split, but I did a, a quick snapshot yesterday on unsafe and safe spots and just under 90% of the 1,700 data points that have been added so far uh, have been unsafe and you know, 12% have been safe. So I think it was a bit more even back in 2016 and maybe it will even out a little bit where people, you know, maybe they start off by adding their unsafe spots because that's yep. sort of their stress and, you know, you know, that's front of mind. And then I think actually these are actually some safe spots around town as well. And no doubt there have been improvements um, in the four years since we did the last project. Yep. So it'd be interesting to see what comes out on that front too. Yeah, it'd be great to compare um, some uh, spots where there have been big changes and see if that's reflected. I wonder if the Albert Street protected intersection will be finished and open before bike spot finishes. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that what the time frame is for that. Um, yeah. But yeah, hopefully we get a chance to ride it. I mean, before it's before the end of May. Are you from the um, top ten, say unsafe spots last time? Are you aware of anywhere the data has been useful or influential in getting changes made? Yeah, I think there are a couple of. Um, instances we we do want to improve sort of our follow-up and how our government partners are utilizing the data and what influence it's having for them but the two of the like so the the top two unsafe spots from back from 2016 number one was the south bay promenade and i know we know that the city of melbourne are are making lots of improvements to south bank boulevard as an alternate route for riders um to get up to st kilda road and back to the yarra and the Haymarket roundabout um, was the number two unsafe spot. And within six months of finishing the original bike spot project, they received that roundabout um, had an investment of $100,000 from the state government. And the Age article that released that story referenced bike spot in the, in the, okay. in the project. So it's been a little bit anecdotal and, um, you know, but I'd like to think we're play, the project plays its part, not obviously yeah. taking full anything but just you know it's an influencing factor particularly when we can get the stories in the media yeah it'll be interesting to see how hay market fares because i i mean 
I think going south, it, it's some improvement, but um, going north, it still feels fairly. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, you know, the, its old uh, name, the roundabout of death. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a look on the map yesterday and there's a, there's a fair few spots there, but they're all concentrating on like the, the southwest corner of the roundabout, the southwest area. Yes. So if you, if, you are, if, you, if you are going south, you, there wasn't that many, but yeah, maybe coming back, back yep. up. Coming back up right. and turning west or going north. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, the councils who are taking part in the project, they will get reports on the data and you said also the state government, will there be a report available for general public to access? Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll do a, a general full data set report that might just sort of compare maybe big, big regional areas and, and Melbourne Metro. And that'll, that'll probably be in the, might be in the form of a, a visual sort of blog post type report. Yeah. Um, the, the council areas receive their the data set for their local government area, and the state government receive the entire data set. Um, but yeah, definitely looking to publish the analysis and the insights, and and influence decision makers through the, through media, media yep. releases, and stuff like that. And for those people who live in an area where their council hasn't um, formally taken part in the project, um, yeah. So what can be done with that data or, you know, what's the incentive for them to take part? Is that data still yeah. going to be? Yeah, it's a really good question. So, you know, we know that there are 70 odd councils in the state and 34, I think, in metropolitan Melbourne. And we've only got 11. But the good news is that um, the state government are partnering in this project. So they'll yeah. receive all the data. All and the data, you know that yep. there are local government roads. Those are the smaller roads and the, and the bigger arterial roads are, are state government roads. So definitely um, the data will be going to a decision maker. Also, the more data you, a local government area receives, the greater interest a non-partnering council will, will take in the role. And we're yep. going to publish the data as well through an interactive map. So that'll be open to everybody, planners, non-planners. If they're making decisions around us, they can still go to the map and have a look. Yeah. It's not going to be closed off. But if they want to, um, you know, get further insights, they can always come to us at a later stage if they say, wow, this is, there's a lot more than what we thought would be there or whatever yeah. the case may be. And so where do people go to to find the map, to have a look or to add their own spots? The best place to go is bikespot.org. And that's really the landing page and where updates will come through at different stages. But th there's a big green button right at the top that says go to map. And that'll link you through to the web application that you can then use on your phone or computer at home. You don't have to be at the location to submit the spot. You can be anywhere. Yeah. And um, if you're riding past, you can take a photo and submit it later through your phone. Um, but bikespot.org is the place to go. And um, you can comment on other people's spots if you like. Yeah, that's really important. Yeah, that's really important. So yeah, if you go and um, take a look around where you live, you can even, you know, if it's not a spot that had occurred to you, you can still give some feedback and validate other people's spots or argue with them. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that you when you sort of add, add a spot on the map, you do complete a form. Um, so if you want to go through that process. If, even if there's another spot there, just do it because we'll we'll aggregate them all at the end anyway. Yeah. But yeah, you can view other people's 
comment um, other spots and view, you know read what they said you can like it and you can also comment on it as well and that also adds weight to, to the location so yeah um, whichever way you might want to make a submission um, it's up to you it all gets counted yeah and yeah a good thing to remember um, besides adding the spots that worry you also adding those that you found add to your journey or a positive uh, yeah 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 that's right I think that um, it really helps to validate what's working and what people yeah. like rather than yeah what what the issues are and it's interesting just looking at Canning Street um, at the moment which was the number one safe spot or say you know route because yeah. we consolidated all the safe spots along that corridor um, there, there really isn't that many safe spots and I don't this maybe it's just people think oh yeah that's safe it's known but some of the intersections there are receiving some attention as well um, yep. for being unsafe. So it's, it'll be interesting to compare the top tens from the previous time around. The previous, yeah. And maybe with Canning Street, it's that thing where, because most of it does feel so comfortable that then when you are forced to deal with an intersection, it, it's thrown into relief in a way that it wouldn't have been on a different route where you weren't as comfortable. Yeah. You, you notice, yeah. you know, your, your standard for comfort is rise, is rises with uh, what you've gotten used to. I think so. It makes the, makes it stark, you know, you from yeah. feeling really safe to hang on a second. Stress levels just rise, you know, straight away sort of thing. So I think it's that um, definitely, I think it's the intersection that, yeah, Richardson, Reed, and, and Canning. It's it's you know it's, it's right up there as an unsafe spot that intersection, yeah. <laughs> which, which um, people to, would otherwise be very comfortable. Yeah, yeah, and it could also be that being one of the safest spots, it has a high volume of riders that then puts pressure on an intersection that might not. If you were by itself, yeah. it might feel comfortable, but it might feel uh, uncomfortable. Yep, okay, well, true. thank you very much, Anthony, for talking to us about Bike Spot Twenty Twenty. Good luck with the project. And how many Pleasure. more weeks do people have to add their spots? Uh, about six more weeks. So okay. you know, we're just over two weeks underway and maybe you know five and a half, six weeks to go till yep. the end of May. Awesome. And that's all we've got time for today. You've been listening to the Arabug Radio Show on 3CR. The Arabug Radio Show is run entirely by volunteers and 3CR relies on the support of its listeners to stay on the air. If you'd like to donate or subscribe to 3CR, you can do so at 3cr.org.au. Coming up next is Shebop. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.